0: Welcome to the Citizens Youth Podcast. Citizens Youth is a ministry of LifePoint Church in Vancouver, Washington. Citizens is a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, check out lpcvan.com forward slash youth. The problem with an inside joke (laughs) is that there's always people on the outside. Uh, <laughs> how many of you are looking at it right now like, where am I? That was really weird. You're at Citizens. Yeah. So, dude, we are, we're going away to winter camp. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, is it a UFC or is it a church camp? What is it? Uh, dude, so, basically... Winter camp, how do I put this succinctly? Um, it will change your life, okay? You need to be at camp. And so I think for all of you, you're always sorting your Skittles. That's kind of hilarious. Can I have one? Can, I don't actually like when people touch my Skittles. So if you don't mind. Dude, I got four reds in a row. What are the chances? Sorry. Um, you can have that one. So check it out. So what we're doing, what we're doing at winter camp. For winter camp, we want you, everybody say, you, you. Me, me, at winter camp. If you want to get to winter camp, all you have to do is ask your parents to buy it for you. It's super easy, right? Let's practice. Let's practice. Justin, you ready? Hey, Dad, how's it going? Good. Hey, um, send me to winter camp, please. That was easy, right? Say, I want you to say, I don't, I, like, I don't, I don't know if I want to send you to say that. I don't know if I want to send you. All right, fine. Well, you don't have to send me to winter camp because it's expensive, but what if you just bought it for me for Christmas? Yeah, give it up for Justin. It's his first time and he's already going to winter camp. Dude, you know what? You're going to winter camp. I just talked to your parents. You're in. So a- anybody else want camp for Christmas? Super easy, super easy. You can make it happen. And uh, yeah, if you have any questions, go to the website. It's up there. All right. You guys ready? I have like this red Skittle stuck in my tooth. Excuse me. That was, that was a bad move, bad move. All right. Here we go. Title of my message tonight is The Last Jedi. Title of my message tonight is The Last Jedi. Go ahead and open up your Bibles. Wait, am I on? I feel like I'm in and out. Am I on? Check, check. Am I good? Uh, Yeah, go ahead and open up your Bibles to... I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I I told the kid earlier, I said, title of my message tonight is The Last Jedi. And he goes, what passage is that? And I was like, that's actually a really good answer, right? If you say to your youth pastor, I don't know if you should be preaching that... Um, that's right, because here at Citizens, we don't talk about pop culture. We don't, we don't preach about fun things. I don't stand up here and say, here are all of my ideas about life. If that's what this was, you shouldn't come, because you don't want to know my thoughts. You don't want to know my, my opinions. You want to know what God has to say about your life, because you as students are going through some very real things, okay? Even though culture looks at you and says, oh, you're just a kid. It's not that big of a deal. You'll learn one day. When you're in this station of life, it feels real, right? When, when, you, when you are 15 and you feel like your life is about to end because, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is the worst thing ever, that's not the time to go, you know what? That's not even that big of a deal anyway. When you're 50, you're not going to remember it. Of course I'm not, because I won't remember anything when I'm 50. I'll be so old. And so instead of telling you it's not a big deal, we say, you know what? I hear you. I feel you. The Lord has something to say about that, all right? So we are not preaching about Star Wars, but how many people are going to see it this weekend? Yo, how many people are so excited? We should give away a couple movie tickets. How many people want a couple tickets to go see Star Wars The Last Jedi? Nice. Go to Cinetopia.com. You can buy them all day, every day. It's great. So, yeah. So I will go and see it. I will be there tomorrow night, 8 o'clock. It's going to be tight. That's what you do around Christmas time, right? Does anybody actually go to the movies on Christmas Day? One family... Anyone else? You do, yeah, Gr- on Thanksgiving. Growing up, I always, I always saw about people or I always saw families and heard about people that go to Christmas or go to the movies on Christmas and I was always a little bit jealous of those families, you know, but then I don't know if I really would wanna do that. Would you guys vote? Raise your hand if you want to go to the movies on Christmas day. Yeah, if, it's Star Wars. if it's, depends on, what if it was a great movie? Just any movie, just at the end of the night maybe? Okay, after the gifts, chance you would do that? Solid, okay. So on, on Christmas day, usually, some people go to the movies, right? That's a thing you do around Christmas time. But here's what I actually did on Christmas time. Here, you can call it a tradition, but it's not just around Christmas. Shh, shh, here we go. It's not just at Christmas time. What I do when I go back to the East Coast, when I go and visit my family, one of the things that we do, and maybe this is you, one of the things that we do is we share stories. How many of you have like storytellers in your family? You know what I'm talking about? Yes, right? You get all together, right? You, and, I, and I picture this, right? You get all together and you're in the living room and, and you have maybe you have people come over and you go, oh ma, 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 yo, tell the story. Tell the story about Freddie. Oh, your your Uncle Freddie. Tell that story again, right? Or maybe you're you maybe you're all together and you're laughing and oh man, Eilish. I remember when she was a little girl, she couldn't pronounce, she couldn't pronounce that guy's name. And so instead of calling him Fred, she would call him Fwed. And so for the right, oh, we just tell him, ha, ha ha, you know. I remember my, my sister Barbara, oh man, we couldn't pronounce Barbara. So it was, it was, it was blah, blah. And so now it, it's just, you share stories, right? One story in particular, um, at my in-laws, whenever we go to our, my in-laws, they live in Washington, DC, every single year we will hear this story. And I rated, rated M for mature here. So bear with me. My mother-in-law, her name is Carol. They call her Christmas Carol because she loves Christmas, all right? Like, you guys like these trees? You think they're kind of cool? This is nothing compared to what Christmas Carol does, right? These are beautiful ornaments, by the way. You guys, you guys doing the ornament exchange? Everybody gets to bring in an ornament, and then next week at the party, you get to take one. It's, it's awesome. So anyway, so Christmas Carol, right? She loves Christmas. She goes over the top every year. She's like, all right, dude, this year... I'm gonna be on a budget, all right, Justin? I'm gonna be on a budget. He's like, why are you picking on me? I'm sorry, dude. I love you though. Why, like, I'm gonna be on a budget and she blows the budget every year. She buys tons and tons of gifts. Last year, in my stocking, I had Bose headphones. In my stocking, all right? That's Christmas care for you. So she loves to give gifts. Well, one year, my brother's-in-law, right? Brother-in-laws, they were, I think they were six and four five, maybe four and a half, respectively. And they had this idea. And this is like a perfect illustration of sin, right? It was like, the night was, was there. Everybody was asleep. And they're sitting in their bunk beds. And he's like, Joel, yeah, Joel, what if we went downstairs and just took one little peek at the presence? <gasps> but what if we get in trouble? No, 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 just one peek, we won't get caught, right? So they jump out of their bunk bed, they're in their PJs, they run downstairs, and dude, and can you imagine these two little boys, right? They come through, they, they come down through the hallway, they get into the living room, the lights are off, and all they see is the glow of the Christmas tree, right? And so like flies to the flame, they're just like, <sighs> they're walking, they come and they go, we'll just peek a little hole in the back of one of the gifts, right? And so Jonathan, he just like, just a little hole, opens it up and he goes, oh, I got what I wanted. And then Joel goes, but I need to open up a gift now. So they go, all right, we'll find one for you, right? So they go take another gift, rattle it. They go, what? Oh, no, I didn't get what I want. Well, let's check another one. Just one more, right? Right?" And they keep checking the gifts. And you can just imagine these little boys who are like, nope, we're going to be controlled here. Before you know it, these little boys are sitting at two o'clock in the morning in their living room, wrapping paper sprawled all over the floor. They opened up every single gift under the tree. Christmas Carol, dude. Carol wakes up, right? She's like... So you can just imagine, because this is my mother-in-law. She's so like kind of just reserved and quiet, except on Christmas, she transforms, right? And so you can just imagine, they they tell this story all the time and how Carol wakes up and it's like the alarm clock. (sighs) You know, she's just like, she's like... It's like it's, her alarm clock for that morning is probably like, dun, 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 She wakes up and it's like, I woke up like this. Like she's ready to go for Christmas, right? And she, and you just imagine her now. She comes down the stairs, comes through the same hallway, turns the corner. <sighs> like <sighs> she died for a little bit. You know what I mean? She comes back to life. All the presents were opened. She went into her room and cried for the next two and a half hours. <laughs> to this day, <laughs> he laughs. Dude, to this day, I promise you, it's not just because it's my mother-in-law. Like, I, I promise you, whenever we bring up this story, because it comes up every year, and we all laugh, right? We all laugh. The boys, to this day, still get uncomfortable. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Like, it's almost like still too soon. You know what I mean? It's still too soon. And Carol, to this day, I swear, like, she has that pre-cry look in her eye. Like, you know when somebody's, like, eyes are starting to water and you're like, are they about to cry? She's like, (laughs) (laughs) they ruined Christmas, right? And so I'm sure, do you guys have stories like that? Maybe not a ruining Christmas, but stories of where you get together with the family and your Uncle Freddie or your cousin Vinny or, or Johnny, and they're all sharing these stories, and you've heard the stories. You've heard them a million times, but that's exactly the point. Every healthy family, every, every healthy group of people, they have this collection of stories, you know? And maybe they're not even necessarily written down, but it's, it's what makes us who we are. We have these stories that we tell each other, that we tell our kids. We make jokes saying, I'm gonna tell my grandkids this story one day because we know that when we rehearse stories, it reminds us this is who we are. This is important to us. This shapes our very identity. And so whenever you share that story about Christmas Carol, you'll remember how it wasn't the Grinch that stole Christmas. It was Jonathan and Joel. (laughs) Sorry, brothers. And so the last couple of weeks, as we do our Advent series here, we're talking about the people of Israel. We're talking about how every year, the people of Israel would get together, they'd stop everything, and they would migrate, they would take a journey, they would ascend to Jerusalem. And just like your family, just like my family, just like any healthy family, the people of God had stories. And because they were Jewish, you can just imagine those stories were awesome, right? Like my family is Puerto Rican. And so like for the most part, they're pretty dynamic. Um, when I went to my wife's, when I first went to my wife's house for Thanksgiving, I was like, so this is how white people tell stories. <laughs> like that was like my experience because they were like taking turns and they're like, your turn to speak. And they're all like listening. They're all well-mannered, right? And in my house, we're all like talking over to like, No, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. And like, literally I have people come over to my house and they go, why is your family so angry? right? I'm like, we're not, we're having fun, you know? Imagine a Jewish, a Jewish party, you know what I mean? And so imagine they're like on their, their annual pilgrimage, right? And they're, and they're in their packs, and they're like around the campfire one night, and they're like, ah, Lachaim, ah, Lachaim, ah, eh, uh, Benjamin, Benjamin, ah, eh, Benjamin, and he comes in, they go, Benjamin, tell us a story, right? Yeah, tell us a story, yeah, right? It's like, why do they all sound like that? I don't know. And they're sitting on the fire. Maybe it's like a three-day journey. Yeah, they're talking with their hands. Like even in their sleep. Like if you talk with your hands when you're awake, they talk with their hands when they're sleep talking. You know what I mean? They're like, <laughs> right? It's stories. And so they're sitting around the fire and they're like, Benjamin, tell us a story. Ah, no, you tell a story. All right, I'll tell a story. What story do you want me to tell you? And they say, I love when you tell that story. What's that one called? Tell us the story called God's Moving Day. Oh, my friend, you ask for a good story, you do. Yeah, tell us, no, no, I can't, I can't, tell us the story. He goes, okay, I tell story. And the story that they tell around the campfire, the story that's entitled God's Moving Day, they're all, so like, imagine, all the adults are on the fire, they go, oh, we love this one. But then you have little kids there probably, right? And they're like, oh, God's Moving Day? We've never heard this story before, and that's the point. You rehearse stories so that you remember who you are, so that we can remember our identity, but then also it's the way that we pass on to the next generation, right? May we never forget. That's why we tell stories. And so for a few moments tonight, I want to tell you this story called God's Moving Day. Are you ready? So we're going to look at this one in Psalm 132, The story called God's Moving Day. Are you ready? If you're ready for a story, say, tell us a story. story. All the multi-ethnic people over here, all the losers. Awesome. Say, tell us a story. story. (laughs) You're like, that was Italian, but I like it. Here we go. Here we go. Lord, be with us tonight, Father. As we open up your word, help us to to pay attention, Father. Help us to understand what you're saying. And most importantly, help us to apply this to our lives, God. We want to be more like you. We want to be closer to you, Father. We want to understand the Bible and even how to read it. So do something special here, Lord, in the next few moments. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Starting in verse one. Remember, oh Lord. Everybody say, remember. There's a story here. There's a story here, right? Here we go. Shh. Robbie, I'm the storyteller. There's a story. He says, remember. What am I remembering? Remember, O Lord, in David's favor, all the hardships he endured, how he swore to the Lord and vowed to the mighty one of Jacob, I will not enter my house or get into my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until... Until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. See what's happening here? David, King David, he wants to build a home. He wants to build a dwelling place for God. <laughs> time out, time out, time out. You're like, did he just say? He wants to build a dwelling place. For God, how many people know how big God is? You're like, dude, I'm just not smart into this Christian stuff. You, God can live in a house. Guys, God is bigger than the universe, right? God is universal. His power is greater than all. He created everything. So what are we talking about here that God needs to have a house? What does David mean when he says that he's building a dwelling place for God? Well, I'm glad you asked because that's part of the story, right? It goes back, back into the Old Testament where the Lord had them build this. How many people know what this is? How many of you have seen Indiana Jones? They're <laughs> like, I don't know what that is. Oh, Indiana Jones. Or, doo-doo-doo. That's my second George Lucas reference of the night. I'm done. Star Wars is the other one. Think about this, friends. God is so above it all. God is so, he's bigger than the earth. He's bigger than the universe. And yet his desire to have a personal relationship becomes super clear when he has the Israelites build the Ark of the Covenant. He says, I know I'm above it all. Anna, I know I'm bigger than you. I know I'm bigger than the entire universe, but I'm going to actually come and be with you. I'm actually going to come and be with you guys as a people when you build this ark. And so when you build the ark, because I'm actually gonna move there. I'm I'm gonna live above the cherubim, above the angels. I'm going to make my glory dwell there. So whenever you have this ark, this will be a reminder of my nearness. This will be a reminder of my presence. The God of all creation, who is bigger than, he, he can't fit anywhere. He's big, the God of all creation is choosing, though, to be present with them. Let's digest that, okay? The God who is so big and far out there, when you go go home tonight and you're looking outside at the stars, like, he's so much bigger. How do I illustrate? He's big, and yet his desire to move into the neighborhood, his desire to be in personal relationship with his people, becomes super clear when he builds this. They have God's presence with them. Imagine these people going to a Christmas party. You're at a Christmas party and you're doing all the fun games and you're singing the songs, 12 days of Christmas and no one knows the words, five golden rings. That's the only one people sing. La, 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 the partridge, you know, yeah, right? And they're singing the songs. And then they finally come to the point of the Christmas party. They go, all right, we're going to go around the room. And I want you to tell everybody what's most important about you, right? Go around the room and tell everybody one interesting fact about yourself. And all the extroverts are like, I have seven. And all the introverts are like, I'm going to kill you. And so they go around the room and somebody's like, "Um, I can speak seven languages. (laughs) I can do this with my tongue. Fun fact, right? I can put my arm off of my body, right? It's like all these random talents, all these things that are most important about me and what's unique about me. And then the people of God, it gets to them and they go, well, um, God lives with us. And all the people are like, of course, we get it. We know God lives with all of us. No, no, no. Like, how do I say this? Like, he actually... Like moved in. I know that sounds weird because he like is big, but he like made himself small. And he actually lives right down the street from me, like on the Ark of the Covenant. That's what's most real. That's what's most unique about us. The fact that God was present in their life, this became their defining reality. The fact that the God of all the universe was present and near to them, this becomes the most important thing about them. God's presence is with them. Do you get it? But there's a problem. Let's continue the story here. As there, as, as, what's this guy's name? Benjamin, we'll call him, right? Is that a good Israel name? There's probably not a lot of in it. You know, Hezekiah, right? Hezekiah is telling the story. Well, name change. All right, here we go. Hezekiah is telling the story. And he goes, yes, so God, he built the ark so he could be near to us. But there was a problem. And all the kids go, ooh. Not you in the story, dude. Come on, dingus, right? And so the fire is flaming. Ooh, there's a problem. The ark of the covenant was wandering all over Israel. The Ark of the Covenant would bounce from place to place. First, they had the Ark of the Covenant in this like pop-up tent, right? Like not like the easy ups, you know, track stars. You're like, it's there, right? That was what they had. They had this tent and then it would move over here to this field. And then the Philistines stole it. I always laugh at that point in the history of the Bible because I go, imagine being the guy that comes and has to say, hey, we lost God. (laughs) What do you mean? Yeah, you know how God lives in the ark and you know with his presence and the wings. Yeah, we all lost it. They stole it. They stole God. You kidnapped? You godnapped? What? So the Philistines, they steal the ark. That goes pretty bad for them. Read the book of of Samuel, right? They're like having all these like plagues and legions and they put it in the same temple with their gods. They come back in the morning, all the other gods are like face down with their hands and feet broken. And they're like, who came and messed up our gods? God did. Like God is like getting a fight, you know? That would be a great story, right? God walks into a bar and destroys a God bar and destroys the other gods, right? They get rid of it. They say, we don't want this God in our tent anymore. They take him, they dump it in a field. They say, get, just get rid of it. They, they literally strap it up to cows and let the cows just walk away. Then you have a guy who's walking around. and goes, wait, that's the Ark of the Covenant. Brings it, like puts it in his shed. <laughs> It's like, dude, this is God's presence. And yet the Ark of the Covenant is bouncing from place to place to place to place until David. David finally comes along. I'm telling the story. David finally comes along and he says, God, you're not a temporary visitor. You're not just passing through Israel. You're not just renting space here. We want you to be permanently. We want you to be fixed forever in our midst. And so God, I vow to you. See, it says he swore to the Lord. He vowed to the Lord. I'm going to build you a permanent dwelling in Jerusalem. I'm going to build you a permanent dwelling in Zion to remind us that your presence is a permanent reality in our lives. The ark is bouncing all over, right? And he goes, wait a minute, why is it bouncing? God's not renting. God's not a renter. God's not just passing through. This is the most real thing about us. And so David swears, I'm going to build a permanent dwelling. I'm going to build a home for God to remind us that this people is God's home. And he's permanently with us. He says, God, we want you to be with us. He longs for that. Look what he says. He says, I will not enter my house. He goes, Lord, I'm not even going home until I make you a home. He says, Lord, I'm not even gonna give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until you have a place to rest. Lord, we want your presence. We want you to be permanently in our midst. To say it this way, students, God's people long for his presence in their lives. Do you hear the story? Do you hear David in the story? Can you picture his face? God's people long for his presence in their lives. Time out, students, question. Do you long for God's presence like this in your life? Do you long for God's presence in your life? Is God's presence in your life, is he just like bouncing? Like, is he a temporary visitor? Does God simply just come through your life on Wednesdays? Is God simply stopping by on Sundays? Or is God's presence in your life the most real thing about you? Is the fact that God God is near to you, is that the most important thing in your life? So much so that if he wasn't in your life, your life wouldn't even make sense. God's people long for God's presence. Do you? Do you? Do you wake up in the morning and do you say, like in verse one, Lord, remember, we're longing for you. God's people, they long for his presence in their lives. And that's what David is saying in those first few verses. God, I want you here. I want you permanently in our midst. And I'm gonna build you a home. So did he do it? Did David build him a home? Did David make a permanent dwelling place? Did he? Will you tell us, Hezekiah? Finish the story. Okay, I'll finish the story. Stop interrupting me. Get me some water. All right, here we go. We continue the story. Look at verse six. You ready? Say verse six. That way I know you're with me. Verse six. You want me to finish the story? All right. No, you don't want a cliffhanger? We could do this next time. All right? I just want to roast the marshmallows. All right, let's finish the story. Here we go, verse six. Behold. Everybody say behold. behold. That means like, look, look, listen, behold. We heard of it in Ephratha. We found it in the fields of Jaar. What is he talking about? What was floating around in the fields? We found it in the fields of Jaar. Let us go to, and then they say this, right? So they found the Ark of the Covenant in a Ephrathah. In a a they found it in the fields. He does something with it. How do we know that? Because look what he can say in verse seven. They can say, let us go to his dwelling place. Let us worship at his footstool. Arise, O Lord, and go to your resting place, you and the Ark of your might. Notice that word might. Those are some fighting words. We'll get there. Let your priest be clothed with righteousness and let your saints shout for joy. For the sake of your servant, David, do not turn away the face of your anointed one. Here we go. They brought, the ark of, they brought the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. David did it, guys. The Ark would no longer wander around like a homeless man. It is moving day. It is moving day. The Lord, it's clear here, he now has... A dwelling place. It's established permanently in Jerusalem, okay? This is a new era. No more wandering, no more temporary dwellings, no more going into a field, no more living in some dude's shed. Lord, you now have a dwelling place. This is a new era. And so it's like they pray. They say, Lord, arise, go to your resting place. Come and be present with us, Lord. They say, Lord, come and be present with us but I want you to listen again. Not only are they inviting the Lord to be present with them. Not only does God's moving day, not only does the move of the Ark of the Covenant mean that God's present with them, there's another thing that it means. Let's look at it again, all right? Listen, listen to this. I want you to tell me what, pick, what you picture in your mind when he says these things. He says, we're gonna worship at his footstool footstool okay my grandma has a footstool is he talking about my grandma's living room no no there's a footstool we're playing 21 questions there's the ark of your might we knew that it was the ark of his presence but now it says the ark of his might and those are fighting words in hebrew might that's like war language this is like whoa there's some ah, going on right all right so we have a footstool we're talking about his might it says that he has priests Okay, I'm getting a picture here. There's priests who are running around clothed with righteous priests are doing his ministry. And he has a king, an anointed one. He has a king who is like his viceroy, who is his representative ruler. What, what, what do you picture here, friends? What picture is he painting in these verses? Hezekiah, I don't know, you tell me. It's a throne room footstool the priest who are attending to him he has a king on the throne and so we see that not only are they inviting the lord to be present in their life they're also inviting the lord to rule over their lives they're inviting him to rule over their lives the ark is his throne this ark in Jerusalem, this is his throne. He is ruling his people. It's as if like Jerusalem is now his new capital and they want this. They're not like going, great, now we have a ruler over us. We're the only people in human history who think having rulers is bad, okay? We're the, understand this, you middle schoolers and high schoolers, we're the only generation in all of human history that who the word authority is a bad word for, okay? This is a good thing. They're shouting for joy, right? It represents his rule. They're shouting for joy. Yes, we have a ruler. It's good to have a king. It's good to have a benevolent ruler who will take care of us and lead us. They shout for joy. They say, Lord, don't turn away the face of your king. Don't reject us. Not only are they excited about his presence in their life, students, God's people welcome his rule over their lives. God's people welcome his rule over their lives. Think about this. God rules over the whole universe, right? True or false? True. He rules over the whole universe. He sees everything. True or false? True. And yet, God is willing to establish his rule over their lives here on earth. You see, he's big. And yet he's willing to come specifically to these people, willing to guide them, willing to lead them as their good Lord. This is his presence and this is his rule. You guys know what this means? Peace. Deuces, right? If somebody says deuces, if somebody says peace, what does that mean? Years, it means they're leaving, Right? I've known people growing up and still even today, I've known people that like, and you know these people too, these are the kind of people that like, they get hurt by someone and immediately they're like, deuces, you're dead to me, right? Do we know people like that? People that just at the slightest little provocation, just because you hurt their feelings or maybe that, and they're just overly sensitive. And so you hurt them or you say something insensitive and it's like, dude, I'm moving on but it's not only like highly sensitive people either, right? Even the most rational of us, even the most thick skinned of us, there comes a point where we say enough is enough, right? Like I respect myself too much to stay in this relationship where you're gonna continue to hurt me. So deuces, I'm out, I'm moving on. This is how people act, peace. And yet God, and yet God is still willing to come to humanity. He's still willing to come to a group of people who have rejected him and sinned against him and said, I don't want you. I wanna be my own ruler. I don't want you, God. And he's still willing to come to them and say, hey, I'm still willing to be present in your life and I'm still willing to be your ruler. That's who God is. This is the gospel, friends. The gospel tonight, right, is not simply that like, hey, love God more. No, no, the gospel is this. Look what God is doing. Look who God is. He is willing to move closer to you even though you've rejected him, even though you've ignored him. He's still willing to come and say, I will be present in your life and I will be your ruler. God's people welcome his rule over their lives. And so I wanna ask you guys tonight, what rules your life? What rules your life? We say it often around here. We say, what sits on the throne of your heart? What's your Lord? Who's your Lord? Friends, if you try to be your own king, I promise you, you will disappoint yourself. If you try to be your own Lord of your life and go, I can rule. (laughs) I mean, look at me, ruler, put the arrow here. I'm okay, I got this your life will end in destruction. If you try to make someone else a ruler, put the arrow that way. She's my ruler. He's my ruler. Whatever he says goes. This person's word is law to me. Whatever you look to to direct your life, if it's not God, it will end in destruction. And so as we listen to the story of Hezekiah, right? as as we hear these imaginary characters, historical though, as they tell the story, as they remember from their stories. Oh yeah, we're a people who long for God's presence. We're a people who welcome God's rule. I want you to look at yourself and ask, am I a person who welcomes God's rule in my life? What rules your life, students? Don't let anyone else be king. Come to the king. Let's continue. We see, number one, God's people, they long for his presence in their lives. God's people welcome his rule over their lives. But how does God feel about this? All right? People long for his presence. People welcome his rule, but how does God feel about this? Are the feelings even mutual? <laughs> Like, does God want to rule us? Does God want to be in our prayer? You tonight, you may be sitting here going, yes, Sam, I want to be with God. I want his presence in my life. Yes, I want him to rule over me. But does God want to rule over you? (laughs) How does God feel about this? We find out in our last few verses here. Check it out. Starting in verse 11. The Lord swore to David. So we saw David was praying. David was longing. People are praying. And now we hear what the Lord has to say the Lord swore to David a sure oath from which he will not turn back. Quote, this is what God says. One of the sons of your body, I will set on your throne. If your sons keep my covenant and my testimonies that I shall teach them, their sons also forever shall sit on your throne. God promises to rule over his people forever. See what it says? He goes, I have a king, right? The king, my representative who's ruling over you, he will be on the throne forever. David, you're on the throne, but I promise you'll have a son and he'll have a son and there will be a son. There will be many generations. There will be many sons of David. And as long as they follow my covenant, as long as they stay faithful to me, they'll be on the throne. They'll be on the throne. And so God is saying, yes, I want to rule over you. I want to actually do this forever. He will rule forever. That's how God feels about that. He says, I will not turn back from this promise. You want God to rule in your life? He wants to rule in your life too, forever. Verse 13, for the Lord has chosen Zion. That's Jerusalem. The Lord has chosen this place here, This wasn't your idea. Oh, I think we should make God move into Jerusalem. Maybe God, what about us as a people? Could we nominate ourselves? We'll make it open to the voting of the entire nation. If you're looking for a people, maybe we'd be good contestants. We'll put a cover letter in, maybe put a little Facebook video together telling you 10 reasons why we would be a good choice. He says, the Lord has chosen you. He has desired it for his dwelling place. He says, this is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell for I have desired it. I will abundantly bless her provisions. I will satisfy her poor with bread. Her priest I will clothe with salvation and her saints will shout for joy. God promises to dwell with his people forever. 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 Here I will dwell, Israel. You're asking me if I want to dwell with you? Yes. I'm not going anywhere. My presence and my blessing will be here. I have desired it. I've desired it. The Lord's people, they long for his presence in their lives. They welcome his rule over their lives. And we see number three, the Lord actually desires to be with and rule his people forever. That's how God feels about this. He doesn't have to be convinced. It was his idea. He chose us. He thought of this. And like I said before, this is the gospel, students. You don't come to youth group to hear some guys tell you that you need to love God more. Love God more. Want God more. Just want it. The gospel is that he wanted you The gospel is that he's pursuing you. He's chosen you. You didn't love him first. He loves you. And so we respond to that good news. We respond to the gospel by saying, wow, he wants to be with me. God wants to be with me. God loves me. He wants my well-being. He's willing to rule in my life. And because he knows that's what's best for me, even though I've said no a million times, that's love. And I'll love him in return. God wants to rule in our lives. He wants to lead with his presence in our lives. And i look at our last two verses. We go back to the rulers. We're we're bringing the story to a close here, right? And so the fire is starting to dwindle. All the little ninos, they're sitting around the fire and they're starting to fall asleep. They think that uncle Hezekiah is done. And they go, wait a minute, where's the king? Wait a minute, you mentioned that there was all these generations where are we at in the generations? Let's look at the next few verses. He says, there I will make a horn to sprout for David. So he's talking about all of these sons, all of these generations, but he, but he says, but you know what? There's gonna come a point in the line where the, there's actually a special one. There will be many sons and generations, but I want you to look forward to one in particular. Everyone say one. Many sons of David. Many generations, and they'll sit on the throne if they listen to me. There's gonna be one that comes and it says this one, he's like a horn. That's weird. He's a horn? Does that mean he's loud? No, a horn meant strength, right? To be a horn meant to be someone victorious. So this son of David who's coming is going to be a man of victory, a man of strength. It says that he will have a lamp for this anointed king, meaning other people will see clearly by him. His enemies will be covered in shame. Who This son of David, this one that you need to look for, he's going to be victorious. And he's going to have a crown. Meaning he's going to rule and reign. So look for that king. This king of David, this son of David, the king, the one who will rule and represent my rule over the earth. Look for that one in particular. The end. And so all the, all the parents are like, ah, oh, Hezekiah, you tell a good story. And all the kids are like, wait a minute, I'm confused. There was a lot of weird words in there, right? And you see all the adults, they kind of smile. Because that was the point of the story. They want the kids to go, wait a minute, huh? They want the kids to have a little bit of dissonance and go, wait a minute, wait a minute. Um, where's the king? You said that we need to look for one in particular. You said that there was a special son of David coming. So where where is the king from the line of David? Wait a minute. David's sons didn't obey God. Remember the deal. If your sons obey me, I will keep them on the throne forever. How many people know that David's sons did not obey God? They were some bad dudes. There was actually way more bad than good wait a minute, where's the king of David? Where's the horn from the line of David? Lord, do you mean that, the, that, that, that there is no more son because they didn't obey? Think about it, friends. Eventually, the line of David was destroyed. Eventually, Jerusalem was overrun. To this day, despite what Indiana Jones says, to this day, no one knows where the Ark of the Covenant is. So where's the king? Where's the king? Is God no longer ruling over his people? Is God no longer present over his people? Did someone break a promise there? God, you promised. You promised that you would be with us and rule over us forever. Where is the king? Students, they knew that the king lived in Jerusalem at that historical time. But today, where's the king? Do you have any hope? Do you have any chance that God's presence and rule can come together in your life? This is not a theoretical, historical question of what Sam thinks. Like in your life, where's the king? Where is this son of David? Merry Christmas. (laughs) Who knows what the very first part of the Christmas story is? Who knows how the Christmas story begins? What's the first scene? What's the first scene of the Christmas story? Whoever answers this right now wins. What is it? Mary. Mary. Who said Mary? Mary. Rock. <laughs> Where does the, does the Christmas story begin with, with Mary? Where does the Christmas story begin? What is it? Jesus. Okay. <laughs> That's a good Sunday. Where, what's the first scene? What's the first words of the Christmas story? In the beginning? No, that's the Bible. Anyone? Is it? Raise your hand if you think it's the shepherds watching their flocks at night. Okay, that would be wrong. How many people think it starts with the angels announcing the good news? That would also, how many people think it starts with the star? That would also be wrong. The very first verse. The very first words of the Christmas story actually begin really weird. And I guarantee you, none of you know this from your Christmas books. What do you think? Let's go there. What's your name? Cassie. Cassie, you're my new best friend. Can we be friends forever? You shrug. I'm hurt. You're dead to me. Peace. Luckily, God is way less sensitive than I am. Look at the very first words of the Christmas story Matthew chapter 1. Where's the king? Hey, where's the king? Matthew chapter one, verse one. The very first words in your New Testament, the very first words of Christmas do not begin with shepherds or stars or mangers. The very first words begin like this. You ready? The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David. (laughs) What? What Christmas carol is that? My Christmas storybooks always start with a baby or a star or angels, Excelsius Deo, the very first words of Christmas, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the Son of David. Why does the Christmas story begin with a family tree? Why does the Christmas story begin with a family tree and a genealogy? Are we Mormon here? What's going on? Look up your ancestry.com, Jesus. What? Why does Christmas begin with a family tree? Because the baby in the manger was the son of David. It begins with a family tree because the baby who was born is the king. You want to know where the king is, students? He was in the manger. And he's born. You want to know where God's presence in our lives come together and meet his rule in our lives? Where do these two things come together? In one, look at it. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Where's that word dwell? Whoa, God dwelt in the Old Testament in the ark. Here, he also dwells here. Where does he dwell? Right in our midst. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. God doesn't dwell in the tent. God doesn't dwell in the ark. He came and dwelt in skin. You wanna know where the king is? His name is Jesus. The angel said, you will call him Emmanuel because he will be God with us. Students, the king has come. And so there's only one thing left for you to do. Come to the king. Students, the king has come. You wanna know where the king is, Justin? You came here for Christmas, thinking we were gonna talk about angels and shepherds and you thought I was gonna do a little skit on stage, a one-man skit. Wrong. I'm here to tell you about the king, bro. He's come. He's come the hope of people, the joy of the world, God himself who will rule his people and be present with them and be so near to them. He came and dwelt in our midst and his name was Jesus. He's the king. So students come to the king. The king has come. Come to the king. Some of you are here tonight and you see the king. Like, I see you, Jesus. I see you. That was a cool story. Cool, glad you came. Merry Christmas. I see you. You're not called to see the king. Some of you guys are here and you hear the king. You're like, I hear you, Sam. I hear you loud and clear. Thank you for that information. I will process that. I will tuck that away. Now I'm a much more well-rounded person. Don't hear the king. Don't see the king. Don't even talk about the king. Some of you guys have been in church your whole life and you love to talk about the king. Don't even talk about the king. Come to the king. Some of you have never had that moment in your life where you've said, you know what? I'm gonna stop affiliating with this and I'm gonna actually come to him myself. Jesus, be my king. Be the one who is God's presence in my life. God, remember the big transcendent God. He actually came to be near to us on an ark. How much more, how he comes to be near to us. We, they talked about how he moved into the neighborhood. Literally. <laughs> it was no longer. Yeah, look at the ark over there. It represents God. No, no, look at God over there. He is God. This is the gospel, students. The Christmas gospel. Come to the king. Come to the king. And here's how we're gonna respond, okay? Because I don't want ever to preach a message where you guys go, thank you very much, and you just step out and you leave. We have to do something about this, right? If you ever come to Citizens and you don't get the sense that this is a call to action, if you don't get the sense that you actually have to do something about this, I've messed up. And so here's what we're going to do. Here's a few ways that we can respond. The band's going to come up. We'll turn down the lights or whatever. And I want you guys, we're, gonna, we're not going to goof off. We're not going to start throwing basketballs. We're going to maintain a sense of response here. And here's what you can do. Number one, you can write. There's a bunch of markers in the back. You can go over to those tables and you can write out your declaration of who your king is. Say, Jesus, you are my king. Thank you for being present in my life. Thank you for ruling over my life. So if you want to respond that way, you're welcome quietly during the music. You can go back there and write out your prayers. We've done that for a few weeks in a row. Maybe you don't want to write. Maybe you want to pray. Maybe you need to have a gut check moment and you need to sit in the chair and talk to the Lord about where you're at. And so have some moments of prayer. Tell God where you're at. Confess to him, Lord, here's where I'm at. Or maybe you're like me and you need to talk. If you want to talk, there'll be leaders in the back here. We'll be up here. If you want to talk to a leader and just kind of process out loud, if here's where I'm at, I have questions, I'm confused, but, I, but I, just, I just need to talk about it, then you're welcome to do that too. And so I'm going to pray, and then you guys can stand. We're going to have some family chaos and move around. I just ask, maintain respect for those around you as we respond. Sound good? Sound good? Do you guys like Hezekiah's story? He's a good storyteller, story I tell you, huh? Come back next week. He won't be here. We'll have a Christmas party and stuff. Let's pray.